Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Hey, Patrick. Hi. Hi, Andy. <laughs> Mine was way more How's enthusiastic going? than yours. Um, it's it's going good. It's going good. Let's try let's try that again. Hold on. Do it and start <laughs> over. I interrupted you at the beginning too. <laughs> hey Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> hey Andy, how's it going? Good. I love how we always like start and end our, our podcast on like like in the middle of like laughing. <laughs> yeah. It's really it's really professional. It's what sets us apart from you know, all the murder mystery ones, all the mm-hmm. the uh what do they call those? The real, real crime, uh, true, true crime. crime. Yeah, yeah. Have maybe we should change this to be? Do you think there's any? Do you think there's any uh, money to be made in the fake crime podcasting arena, or is it just true crime? Oh man, fake crime. I like false crime. <laughs> there has to be. There has to be, and I don't know if that's just um, uh, basically fiction, <laughs> Patrick. Fake crime. <laughs> You know, like a murder no, mystery and a fake crime. No, I was thinking it would be it would be like the crimes that could have happened but never happened. You know, like okay, like like almost like failure crime. Like instead of taking like because true crime just focuses on the people that already got caught. Okay, and you know their stories and all that kind of stuff. What if we found people that tried to be serial killers but it didn't pan out for them? <laughs> and like somebody, talk about their stories. Somebody that tried to rob a, rob a bank but they weren't able to get in the front door or something. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's like a shoe cut, comes untied or something. Yeah. trips and, it's like, and the cops show up and like ah crap, never mind. <laughs> or like the guy who tried to kidnap a kid and put him in his basement, but he went to kidnap the kid. He got busted by the parent or something like that. You know. Sure. And there's like, I guess, I guess I better stick to working at Seven Eleven. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be. As soon as that person would have picked up that kid, it would have been a crime. So it has to be before an actual possible crime has happened, right? Yeah. So that's that's going to be hard to find those people um, that would be able to admit the crimes be... they almost committed. <laughs> yeah. It has to be a false crime, a crime that never happened, but had the same intent. Okay. Right? That's that's what it should be. False crime. Um, False crime I think we're, we're breaking new ground, Patrick. This is really exciting. Yeah, it's time to pivot. We should. We should see what we could find. I'm. I'm sure there's people out there that would admit to it. Yeah. Because I mean, what's like the statute of limitations is going to be up? They never actually did anything anyway. Somebody's yeah. going to arrest them. You can't arrest people for intent anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Um. We'll put it out there. If you have committed a false crime. <laughs> Um, please reach out to us at uh, what's our email, Patrick? Uh, uh, does, uh, design much at topics at designmuch.org. Topics at designmuch.org. Or, or hit us up. Let's see if the form will work. Test the format on the website. Um, go to our website slash contact designmuch.org slash contact and fill it out there. Tell us your story of a false crime. <laughs> like that day you're like, man, I'm going to commit like a horrible atrocity today on somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, yeah, your car wouldn't start, or something. Yeah, I think it's going to be captivating. Ran out of gas. It's, it's going to be great. <laughs> Very dramatic at, at the end of the story when the the crime didn't actually happen. <laughs> yeah, it'd be all of this build up like hey, this guy's psycho. Like he really wants to commit this crime, and then then it's like wah, wah, wah. like every episode's going to be that. Yeah. Yeah. I think. But then it'll be a learning. It'll be a learning thing. It'll be like, okay, well, we all feel like this sometimes, but 
let's not act on it, all right? <laughs> and be like these people who had, you know, healthy lives and aren't in prison. Yes. Um, people who weren't weren't good enough at committing a crime. <laughs> weren't good enough, like weren't smart enough to commit the crime, you know? <laughs> um, you could be that person. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, send us your send us your topics, your ideas. That's great. Yeah. Um, but today, Andy, we have a special guest today, Andy. We do, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. We've been hitting them like crazy the last couple episodes. Every episode, special guest, special guest, special guest. And today is no different. We've got another special guest. So joining us today uh, on the podcast, Andy, is none other than founder co-host of the design much podcast andy page oh no way it's me oh i get a clapped oh man this is amazing yeah so i'm gonna i want to ask you andy we've been we've been on this topic a little bit lately of discovering how people sort of got into design right Mm -hmm. and and we've always been like the practical podcast we sort of like market ourselves on like practical skills but what we've learned by by interviewing people like this right in this in this fashion is um, all the practicality of getting into design, right? Like we're talking about stories of getting into design yeah. and how people actually do it. And I know there's people listening to the podcast that are trying to get into design and there's stuff like that. So there's practical knowledge here. The other, the other thing interviewing you is like getting to know you. You talked about it last week. Um, you know, we've been doing this 100 episodes, just over 100 episodes. So we wanted to kind of pause for a minute and, and get to know each other a little bit better, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and do that. I the the first question that comes to mind, Andy, is was was design something that you wanted to do? Like like when you were in you know kindergarten, preschool, first grade, and they're like, the teacher points to you and says, "Hey, Andy, what um what do you want to be when you grow up?" And did you say fireman or did you say UX designer? Um, I didn't say fireman when it, when it comes down to fireman versus police officer, you know, there's always those two that everyone compared. I was always, I wanted to be the yeah. police officer, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas my brother wanted to be the fireman, which is totally cool. Um, but no, when, when my teacher pointed to me and asked me what I wanted to do, um, that would change. Um, it was either, I wanted to be like in the NBA. I was into basketball back then. Um, you know, the Utah jazz, um, or I wanted to be a writer um, like a novelist, um, back then, of course, not in preschool, you know, but when I was in my early grade school years, um, I was reading a lot of, uh, R.L. Stein, <laughs> a lot of Goosebumps books, <laughs> and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So, um, it was either like that, it was either, yeah, being an, an um, in the NBA, an author or working at a toy store, Patrick, because hmm. toys are the best thing ever. So why wouldn't you want to just work with toys? Yeah. So both create all, all three, I would say are creative in their own, in their own right. Right. I, I think so. I'm not sure about the toy store, like <laughs> how, I guess you're kind of creative in the way you're laying out a toy store. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, if you wanted to be, if you wanted to work in a store, like that's what you wanted to work in retail, the creative uh-huh. side of the retail world would be like the toys, right? Sure. It's not going to be like shoes. That's not as creative as toys. Yeah. That's true. You know, helping kids be more creative, you know, build imaginations, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, right? but but is the is the the person working in retail helping kids be more creative, or are they just like selling them things that will help them be more creative? Yeah, I think I think I think they're the same. Okay. I mean, okay. You know, fair enough. 
Um, I think it'd be weird if the toy store clerk was like sitting down with your kid trying to help them be more creative. I think That's so too. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe just selling them something like a game or a toy. Yeah. I like I like that you brought up you want to be a writer and you're RL Stein because as as some of our listeners know, you you really do enjoy Halloween. You do enjoy like and and that's been something that obviously has has uh resonated with you throughout your entire life, right? Absolutely. Yes, I love to be in my in my bed reading those spooky books and just shaking shaking myself to sleep cuz I'm so afraid. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I do I do like I don't know. I, I like that Halloweeny um spooky time stuff. So definitely yeah. started with goosebumps for me. So did you did you did you write stuff? Like what what were some stories you wrote or did you <laughs> did you, were, did you write a novel? Did you write stories? Like what did, did you even as a kid like did you experiment with that? I feel like I did. Um mainly for I don't think I did it like um just on my own for fun. I think I did it for like assignments. But mm-hmm. I, I do recall um writing some like goosebumps esque stories, I feel like. <laughs> But I have no idea what those were about, or if they were any good. I doubt they were. Yeah, they were probably they were probably epic. <laughs> Maybe you. they're probably really good. I, I should I should try to find those and publish them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throw them up on Medium. See if you can get any traction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what um what sort of caused you? What what sort of what sort of events in your life or things that happened in your life that caused you to kind of take that creative nature and that interest in Halloween and that interest in writing and being creative into um, what, like what steps did you get? Cause obviously there's probably more steps. You didn't just go, Hey, I'm, I'm writing. And then I want to be a designer. Like, well, mm-hmm. how did you kind of morph into that? Yeah. So I, um, I have some older brothers that are actually very artistic, artistically inclined. They spent all their time just like drawing um, like comics and lots of stuff like that, logos and comics. And they were like, they were very like really good at that stuff. And I didn't really consider myself to be super good at it. I did like to draw, like I did like look at images, like things I thought were really cool. And I would just kind of see how I could draw that kind of freehand, just looking at it. Um, so I did really enjoy that. I did take art classes and everything and I didn't feel like I was super good at it, but I did like do some stuff that I was proud of. Um, and it was the other day I was actually thinking about, um, a class I took in high school. It was just an art class. And one of the assignments was actually like a graphic design assignment. And I didn't really know it at the time. Like I, we were tasked to design a cereal box where we had to get like this kind of cardboard and put it into a box and then, you know, actually have a logo and like, um, the, the contents, like the ingredients and, and the, uh, what, what is that called? The nutritional facts on one mm-hmm. side and like what would go on the back of the box and uh, what's going to go on the other side of the box. And I had to like kind of design this thing. And I did learn at the time, like this is a job that somebody did. And I, I remember thinking like this was actually really fun. Um, but I, after that assignment, never thought about it <laughs> after that. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but I, that kind of came up um, the other day. I was just thinking about that and I thought it was really strange. Um, but I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and in, in high school, I did start taking a lot of film classes because that kind of also drove to like that storytelling sort of thing. I really loved like film and and story and all, and all that sort of stuff. So I really liked that creative aspect. And I I wasn't sure if I was going to get into like, you know, video production, um, 
you know, maybe making films or something. I thought that would be really fun. Um, and then my brother actually gave me like for my senior present, it was awesome. I found out when you graduate, you get senior presents, you get like a present when you graduate high school. Um, <laughs> that was a nice surprise, but I, for that, I got a camera, just like a little digital camera. And that's what really drove my creativity the most. Um, because I started just playing with it and figuring out like cool ways to take photos. And my brother, this, this keeps coming back to my brothers, but my brother also gave me like one of his old uh, Mac computers, one of those like old candy shell Macintoshes. Um, I got one of those and it it had Photoshop on it. So I started to learn just kind of by myself how to use Photoshop. So I'd go take those photos. I would just like, I would just go out just anywhere and just like start taking photos with this little, um, dinky, like Canon digital camera. And I would take them and start plugging it into Photoshop and start manipulating those photos. Um, so that was kind of like the first like foray into like really being passionate about like a creative outlet, um, was really like photography for me. Um, so that's kind of like what started it for me. And, um, growing up, of course, I, I, you know, was a kid in the nineties. So I loved video games. I was definitely always around technology in that way. Um, playing lots of video games on like, you know, those consoles as well as computers and those kind of things that kind of taught me how to like do like problem solving, like playing those Zelda games where you like have to figure out how to, how to solve this puzzle. And there's no clue on how to do it. And you really have to like understand, okay, this, this puzzle was made for a human. How do I figure out how to solve this puzzle? Like it's possible (laughs) for me to do it. I'm just going to be patient and figure out how to solve this puzzle. Um, and just, just learning how to use like computers at a young age. Like I loved playing with them and just figuring out how to do it by myself. Um, and having the mindset of like, um, like I can figure this out, um, and I can use this as a tool for something. And so I I didn't like kind of approach it as like, I don't know how to do this. I need to be educated on it. I just kind of played with it. Um, so I think a lot of those things kind of led me to being like somebody looking for, um, a job that was in some way creative, um, and a job that was in some way problem solving and a job that was in some way involved, like, I'm using technology because I, I loved playing with technology a lot. So that's kind of, those are some of the, the early parts of my life that kind of, I think led me to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And speaking of where you are now, like, like, uh, what are you doing right now? Like what's your, what's your role right now? What company you work for? Where are you at? Yeah. Um, so right now I am, um, a senior UX designer at Adobe. Um, most recently I was at Workfront and Workfront was acquired by Adobe. And so I was able to kind of transition into like an Adobe role and I'm still in that process and figuring out what that's like. Um, but yeah, so far so good. So it's definitely been an interesting ride for sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, I've known you for a little bit, but I feel like one of the things that I've always, I've always, uh, and I'm glad you brought it up. You brought up like, writing as a kid right like wanting to be a writer like tell stories like rl stein and stuff um and then moving through um what you were talking about with uh with sort of the problem solving was the storytelling aspect and i know you've brought this topic up quite a bit on the podcast already for lots of the different episodes but i feel like you're you're very much into the storytelling right like Mm -hmm. storytelling was a natural thing for you growing up um, and then you picked up sort of that problem solving area a little bit later on. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, 
I think I think those things marry really well together. Um, I feel like when you are like solving problems, a lot of those problems like have to do with you understanding a story as the problem solver. And then, you know, once you actually get to a point where, you know, you actually think you may have solved a problem, like explaining that to other people in the form of a story, um, those things are, are super important. And I learned a lot about, about how, like the importance and the effect of storytelling, um, you know, again, just like reading books and watching film because, Growing up, I learned a lot of life lessons, honestly, from watching movies and seeing like <laughs> seeing how those characters in, in stories um, are, you know, starting one way and are faced with a, a challenge or something and they end up learning something. And not that all of those movies and all of the not that all of those themes in those movies or films that I watched are always true, um, but you can learn a lot about those things. And I feel like storytelling in design um, in any sort of problem solving way is the same sort of outcome as well. Like um, you are as a designer, as a user of software, you're faced with problems and you need a way to have those problems be solved. And when you, when you come out of this with a solution, you have learned a new lesson if you, and you've grown as a person. So I feel like um, those things go well, um, super well together those things go super well together. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's important to have, have those skills, I think as a designer, for sure. Are there, are there movies? Cause you're, you're a big movie buff. You're a big Disney guy. Um, are there movies, are there experiences like that, that you've had that you can, that have parallels to what you do today as a designer, like things that you have applied or, 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 or uh, you know metaphors, that kind of stuff, or do this, or like, yeah, are there any movies that have sort of more of a direct parallel to to being a designer and hmm. specifically UX designer? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's got to be a lot of them. Um, there's definitely a lot of like, um, I'm definitely a, you know I'm a fan of Disney, Patrick. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a fan of Pixar. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of movies there that, um, speak to very simple truths and show characters that go through those truths, um, you know, go through the process of learning those truths. I think that definitely apply to design. Um, trying to think of a specific one. Um, I would say like one of my favorite movies, um, you know, that Pixar has come out with is inside out. Um, and I think Mm -hmm. this is a really important movie because it, was so good at explaining the importance of emotion to adults as well as children. And it, you know, I think it is able to teach children, you know, what emotions are that there are different types of emotions and that those are important to know, you know, you know, which emotion is driving you right now. And, you know, you're making decisions based on if you're letting anger drive versus letting joy drive or sadness drive. Right. Um, and it, you know, teaches adults a lot about, um, especially ones that are parenting, um, how to deal with young people that are learning about their emotions, um, (laughs) and they're, they're trying to change. And it's, it's a really interesting thing. And I think you can also take a lot of that and apply it to, um, empathy, um, specifically as a designer. So if you're thinking about your users, for example, and you're considering, you know, the jobs to be done of the projects you're working on, Um, there are like those, um, you know, those functional jobs 
as well as the, um, and I'll highlight these, of course, the emotional jobs to be done of a, a project you're working on. So for example, if you're working on a software um, where users are trying to get something done, some of those things they want to get done could be emotional jobs. And some examples of those are, um, I want to feel really secure about, um, trying to pull something out of the thin air here, but I want to like, let's say I'm doing a banking app, right? I want to feel that my money is secure, that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm accessing my money in a safe way and other people can't easily find it, right? That's like an emotional job that I need to solve for. So I need as a designer to consider, you know, what sort of emotions my users are feeling as they're going through my software. Um, and so I have to have empathy and understand, you know, what's going on in their head as best as I can. So when I'm doing my research, I need to ask questions that help me understand what sort of emotions they have. So um, long story short, that's a movie that I think teaches you that other people have emotions. Those emotions drive them. And you need to empathize with those people by understanding their emotions and understanding they're maybe acting this way because they're letting this certain emotion drive their actions right now. Mm -hmm. Well, and to your point, like the, the bang example, example, um, yeah, if I'm, if I'm, I mean, you know, we work, people work hard for their money. They want to manage their money. They want control over that. So there's probably a lot of anxiety when it comes to managing money at a bank, right? Mm -hmm. Um, for certain, for certain people, there's probably even more and some people probably not so much, but like, you know, the person who's living paycheck to paycheck, like, that's that's very important for them to to make sure that their finances are are in order. And if you're designing something like a banking app, right? Like you need to consider that when this person's using it, they're not just casually using my application like they are with Instagram or something, yeah. right? They're they're using your application in a, in a different way. And we we add to that point, like I I love that you bring up Inside Out because I was hoping you would say Inside Out because <laughs> I'm like I, I know you've brought that up before, but like, um, you know, we, we deal with that with like our accountants, right? Like right now we're in deep accounting season, tax season, and their emotions are high, right? There, there's a lot of angst, there's a lot of angst going on. They're anxious. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of stress, right? They're under a lot of pressure and they're, you know, they're malnourished and they're, they don't have a lot of sleep, so they're also prone to anger. And so, yeah, yeah the decisions we make really impact their lives in a, in a bigger way, right? It kind of goes back to, we've had this analogy, you know, with like leadership, like you don't want to be the leader, the manager, that when you go home, you're the one that, the you know, that you bitch about to your family, right? You don't want to be that type of manager, yeah you know? And I think, I think as designers, to, to your point with inside out, like understanding what our users are actually going through and being empathetic to those, their emotions while they're using our application really does avoid those situations. You know, mm -hmm. like we've all used applications that we're like, we're trying to use and we're frustrated and, and, and it makes us even more frustrated. Right. And then we, you know, we delete the app, but beyond that, like the effect of your application could have on somebody could be deeper than that. Right. Uh, not only just like, quitting the app but also like setting their mood and their tone for the rest of the day and that could then in turn you know go bite somebody's head off right so yes like i think it's i think it's cool i think it's i think i mean and and you know we've talked about movies and stuff a lot on the podcast and and i always like that i've always enjoyed that you relate 
the movies and the, that storytelling and what's going on to sort of like the design world itself. Um, I always think that's really, I, I just, I've always, I've just always thought that was really cool. Um, when was, was there a trigger moment where you were like, you know, you talked about getting the camera and learning Photoshop was like, was like that the trigger moment where you're like, this is what I want to do. Like I want to work with software technology and I want to design stuff and tell stories. Was that the trigger moment or did you have another, you know, sort of like aha moment where it's like, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah. That, I think that that moment probably came later in my career actually. Um, so yeah, progressing more, like I, I, I got into like doing photography, you know, playing around with, you know, taking, um, macro photography images, taking like portraits of people. Um, and I thought I was probably going to be a photographer. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like a photographer. A good way to make money in photography is like doing wedding photography. So I was like, I'll just do that. This is a lot of fun, you know? <laughs> and so like I, <laughs> I started doing some of that and, um, you know, got some gigs doing it and it was, um, really stressful. Actually, <laughs> I found, um, I didn't have the quite the personality for it. I wasn't bubbly and super extroverted to make my my subjects feel like really um, like comfortable. Me, you know, with me taking their pictures. Um, also, like I was getting the right photos, but the whole time I was getting the photos, I was like, I was so stressed that I wasn't getting them. <laughs> um, so, like, photography was awesome, but it stressed me out actually, and. Um, in college, I'm studying, you know, I'm getting a communications major and I'm still kind of going down the road of like, I might want to do photography, but maybe not in like portrait way. I'm like doing like I'm covering events or I'm maybe doing video, you know, so like maybe I'm working for a marketing department where I'm taking, you know, photos for them. And um, I got I had a lot of great opportunities in college studying at the University of Utah to do. I worked at their um, their marketing team um, for their marketing team as an intern. I, I started their Instagram account, Patrick. Um, I also ran their Tumblr account, which was pretty cool. I was really, really stoked about that. So I was just like taking photos across campus. And um, my manager asked me to create a poster um, to hang up on campus to say, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Tumblr. Um, and I didn't really know how to go about doing that. So I just, I just, you know, jumped on in, into Photoshop and I started playing with what a poster could be, right? Like I put up some of the images I had taken up. I like did some like, you know, alignment with the text. And, you know, I, I kind of really had a fun time designing this thing for the first time. And I had to consider like, okay, like how big should the U of U logo be? How big should the text be that, that says, follow us on Tumblr and Instagram? I want uh, the people to be able to read it while they walk by. Um, how big should the photos be that I'm displaying? Um, so I had to like consider all this stuff and then I had to figure out, well, how, how do I make sure I'm getting all the dimensions right for when this is actually going to be printed? So this is like my first experience designing something. And I didn't just design one, one, um, poster, I designed a couple. Um, I, I think I had two posters that I like kind of submitted and, um, you know, at the end we went with one of them, but that was like my first like foray into actually design. And it was of course just like a graphic design, um, you know, project, but it was a lot of fun and turned out like my first job out of college. I, I just had that kind of that general communications major, of course, the degree that I got, but it was, a uh, it was a graphic design and marketing position. Um, 
And I think I've maybe said this before on the podcast, but it was then when I kind of realized I didn't like doing marketing, like when I was running like a bunch of Google AdWords campaigns and stuff. And um, I didn't like that as much, but I really liked doing the design part of it. And um, just kind of the whole time I had to learn how to do design along the way, I wasn't formally trained on how to do it. I just looked at stuff that I thought was cool and kind of um, imitated it, emulated it. Um, and kind of made it my own. And that was like the stuff I came out with when I was doing that job. Um, and so that's when I kind of decided I want to be in design. Um, I think I can do this. I think I'm okay at it and I'm going to keep going. And so my first like three jobs out of college were like graphic design jobs. And like it was there, um, I got a job at a software company, um, called Marketware um, they did software for the healthcare industry. And, um, it was there that I started doing some research and I found that there was a job, um, you know, doing like basically a job called UI UX where you would do design for software. And I thought that sounds awesome because, you know, at the time I was really into like, um, and I still am like really into technology even more than I was before. Like I, I saw like how, you know, how interesting technology could be like with the new iPhone. When I, I, I remember seeing somebody with a new iPhone and they did that pinch to zoom on the photo. Mm-hmm. And I was like blown away. Like that's a crazy interaction that is so intuitive that I would have never considered before, but it like works so well. And I thought it was really impressive. And so I was like, I was obsessed with like, like, um, the technology and, you know, like Apple products and, um, Android phones and stuff like that. So I was just in love with that stuff. And so I thought it'd be so fun to be able to design for technology in some way. And, um, I kind of looked it up and did some Googling and found out that that was something called UI UX. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know it was like interaction design really. Um, but I knew it was design and technology mixed together in some way. Right. So I'm like, that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. And then it was like a year later that, at that company, they realized they needed a UX designer because they didn't have one um, for their <laughs> software at all. And they asked me if I would be interested in it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so um, I was super lucky. I didn't have to go to a boot camp. I didn't have to go back to, to college to get any formal training. I was able to transition in-house to um, you know, be a UX designer. It was challenging to figure out how to do it. But um, that was kind of, it was there that I realized it was a thing kind of. And then it was there that I realized or that I got the opportunity to transition into it. Mm-hmm. What was the, what was the biggest challenge for that transition? Oh, the biggest challenge. And I think I've spoken about this a little bit before, but the biggest challenge was as a graphic designer. Um, what I really liked is the creative aspect where I just got to design whatever I wanted. Like if I got a new project, I got to design, let's say I'm, I got like a, a project to work on a pamphlet or, or something like that. I got to kind of research how I wanted to design it, just design whatever I thought looked cool. What was like, you know, up to date, you know, anything like that. Um, so I was basically at that point designing for myself. Um, mm-hmm. in, when I got into UX, I realized that you're not designing for yourself. You're designing for other people. Um, you're designing for, um, allow people to accomplish their goals. Right. And so it was a totally different thing. And it was hard for me to figure out like, how do I, how do I find out what's better for other people? How do I incorporate their needs into my design? Um, and 
that was definitely a big challenge um, for sure. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's such a different um, it's such a different mentality, right? We've talked about that before. It's like when you're when you're doing when you have when every project is a greenfield, right? You get a you get a reset almost every time and mm-hmm. be like, now I want to try this color scheme, you know. Now I want to try this interaction. Now I want to try this, right? Versus like you know, when you're designing for a software, a larger software product, and you have to you're you're going okay. Well, how do people actually use this? Because you know, if I change this from a toggle to a checkbox, it could break stuff, right? Yeah. And you don't, you know. Yeah. So it's it's such an interesting thing. It's it's you know it's like on the one side there's all this creativity of having you know like greenfield to do anything you want on every project, but then on the other side there's almost a bigger challenge to be like how do I solve this problem in a creative way with this limited sort of tool set, right? That I have. So yeah, exactly. It's interesting. And it was it was challenging to figure out like how I go about getting that feedback. Like I didn't really know how to get it at all. Like basically what we did is um, I, I would just design something and I would design the entire like new experience, you know, and then we just like get on a couple calls with our clients and be like, I, I would just demo this experience and be like, okay, what do you think? And everyone would be like, this is great. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> um, but I started to realize everybody was saying that and there apparently wasn't anything wrong with it. And I, started yeah. to wonder like, well, I wonder if it's because I'm just demoing this, I'm the designer and they're just saying this is good because they don't want to hurt my feelings or maybe I'm not demoing the right thing. Um, and I was like, how do I create a relationship with, with clients to allow them to give me like good feedback to make this better, to make sure I'm designing the right thing. Um, and so that was definitely um, challenging. And that's something I began to like get into more like, oh, this is way more difficult than I thought it would be <laughs> than just making something look pretty, you know? Yeah. What are your, in your current, in your current, um, in your current uh, state of where you're at right now in life, what are your, what are your favorite design tools to work with? Design tools. Um, my current state. So we started using Figma as a team, um, early fall, late fall, I don't know, fall of 2020 is when we started using Figma. So I really liked that tool um, as a design tool to help us, of course, collaborate well, um, to not worry about like syncing files in the right places and making sure they're they're not lost or something because we were using like Dropbox before with Sketch. Um, And it's a, it's a really just open-ended tool that's very collaborative. And also I'm finding very powerful. There's a lot of ways that I, a lot of things that I really have to learn about it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to be able to learn more and to grow in that tool. Um, another tool that I really like, um, that's not exactly a design tool, but it, it is a tool that I use it as, as a designer and that's Notion. And we've spoken about that a little bit before. Um, but it's essentially like a, it's a tool that allows you to be able to take, to input all sorts of type of information. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a bad word to say a note taking tool, but it just allow it's a very powerful tool to allow you to collaborate and input information into a very large database in any way you would like to. Um, so it's not, you know, um, really limited to documents just like Google docs is, um, so that's a tool that I really have loved. Um, I would say those those are ones I'm excited about. Um, 
off the top of my head, I'm not sure if there's anything else <laughs> that, that really gets me um, excited, but th- those are the, yeah, those are the main ones that I'm, I've been loving so far. What, um, what's, what kind of design stuff do you do? Like outside of your day, like your day job? Like, do you, how do you, how do you make sure you're, you know, getting better at design or experimenting with design sort of outside of your day job? It's one of the things that I use to kind of help me stay up to date with design is, um, I do kind of like to practice, um, kind of visual design things on the side here and there. Um, I haven't done this as much, um, especially in 2020. I feel like I was just trying to find other ways to help, <laughs> um, stay out of the world. Um, but I definitely like to like do logo design on the side, um, just for fun. When I just feel like designing something, I really like the simplicity and the constraint of designing a logo. Um, those are really fun. And you can see some examples of that, like on dribble, on my dribble page. Um, I've also lately, and we've talked about this a little bit as well, gotten into doing some 3D modeling design as well, um, figuring out how to design things in a 3D way, um, very like low poly pixel art essentially, but um, it's been so fun playing with that and playing with like lighting elements in there. Um, so a lot of my like um, lighting and photography skills have kind of come back into that a little bit, and that's been a lot of fun to play with. Um, and I also really find um, coding to be fun. Uh, just simple HTML, CSS stuff. Um, I am not good at it by any means. And I'm very, very much like still um, like novice at that sort of thing. But I find it super fun to like be able to take a design that you've done and to be able to write code and make it like come alive. Um, so definitely can't do anything like advanced. I don't know, um, what's it called? Uh, shoot, uh, JavaScript. I don't know any JavaScript at all, but I can kind of make something look the same way I've designed it, <laughs> at least at this point. And it's super cool to like kind of figure out like um, how, to, how to write it out in code um, and to use like the design tools we have. Like Figma has a great way to like, um, to see the CSS of your design and be able to translate that into actual, you know, CSS that you can write along with your HTML. And that's pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, um, I like playing with that stuff. I think that stuff helps me stay creative, also a little bit technical. Um, and it kind of just gets me excited, um, about doing that sort of stuff. That's cool. Yeah. The one thing about coding, I think that for a lot of people too, it's like, it's like you're, you're using the medium that you're designing in, right? Like you can actually use it. So like, if you're a painter, right, you actually learn how to paint. Yeah. And that's how you create your your art, right? And if you're a designer, the tools that we use don't actually produce the real thing, right? They don't actually produce the end result. That's mm-hmm. what code does, right? And so, yeah, when you – I think that's kind of the exciting part about code. And and I would agree with you. Like, it's very challenging. It's very difficult. And there's there's a high bar, I think, on some level to do it. But when, but when you produce things, it's very exciting because – you're you're actually putting something live out that you've created yeah right it's not it's not the sort of place in the middle where we're at usually yeah with design tools so exactly it's something that somebody else could not exactly use because again i don't know javascript because i can't interact with it <laughs> or see any sort of result but like they can actually like somebody else could type in a url and see it you know and um mm-hmm. and be able to yeah yeah take in that visual data so i think it's 
it's really cool and it it does get me like more empathetic to the developers i work with you know like um again on a very low scale because i'm not doing anything as advanced as what they're doing um but it gets me to like um kind of think in that more technical way as as well as uh, yeah feel like okay this is actually pretty hard because like as a designer i can just draw a bunch of rectangles in figma and I make my thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and of course, I'm simplifying that a lot, but then they have to go and actually do tons of like technical thinking, you know, engineering, of course, to get that to actually um, become a real thing that people can interact with and use as a product. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. The the one, I mean, we, we've talked, I think we've talked about this too in the past, but like the, the one comparison in a design world that I would say like UX is equivalent to other design world is probably like set design or like stage design interesting because i feel like yeah well i feel like it's one of those areas where you can design something but so much so much of what the people in production are doing um have to either follow that design or they impact the design when they do stuff like when an actor comes on the stage or, or a musician comes out to play a concert, right? So much of the set, so much of what's happening is around that experience of them performing. And I feel like that's that's a lot like when we work with engineers, it's, it's, it's similar. Like we designed this whole set and we're like, okay, now all you guys gotta do is go out on this set and perform, right? And then when they construct that stuff, they use, you know, using code and everything, they can change and enhance it and make our set better. And so I feel like that's kind of, that's kind of what you're talking about in a way of using uh, of having that code being sort of like the same medium like you, you're the same person when you're designing something you sketch it right and if you're coding it you can build it and you can perform it too and so i feel like in a way you get to you get to build the empathy for the how much hard work is involved in actually performing something yeah how much practice is involved for performing that thing but then also look on the other side and say like how cool would it be to to push that so i think there's a lot of cool stuff there um and it's cool to hear that like you're you're experimenting with that on the side outside of your day job to like because all that stuff you know the 3d the 3d modeling the the logo design the 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 coding and stuff that you're working on like those those all directly impact you know your job today as far as like you know building great user experiences because building a great user experience has to entail visual design it has to entail you know having that empathy it also has to it also has to you you also have to empathize for your development team too yeah for the people that are building it so um sounds like yeah even the stuff outside that you're passionate about that way enhances your day job okay one one last question, Andy. All right. This is the hardest one. Oh, no. <laughs> um, along your career path, and I'm just talking specifically around the career, like, do you have any moments of where, like, like, like regret, right? Where you're like, oh, man, if I would have done this, I could have been in a better position or like, or, or do you even just regret going into design, period? <laughs> <laughs> um, man periods of regret. I, I have had such an awesome career. Um, and I've worked with so many great people. I, I've actually really loved my career. It's been so educational and really rewarding. Um, so I actually don't regret my career. Um, the only thing I would probably say I could regret Patrick is like not doing something sooner. Um, Mm -hmm. so not learning how to code sooner. Um, 
I would be way better if I learned how to code sooner. Um, not starting this podcast sooner. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think like a lot of those things, like I, I feel like there are plenty of things that I kind of took plenty of time to learn how to do at my own pace, which is totally fine. Um, but I could have maybe pushed myself more. I could have pushed myself to be better at, at graphic design for sure. Um, I, I wasn't by any stretch of the means like an amazing graphic designer. Um, but by the time I had even gone into UX, but um, I feel like if if I were to change things at all, it, it would have been yeah, kind of going backwards and doing it sooner, basically. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I've loved I loved every minute of it. It's been um, a really great experience so far, um, and I hope that continues. Um, but yeah, it's been an awesome career that I've been really enjoying. So yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Andy, for joining us on the podcast. Yeah. Um, Andy, do you have any other questions for Andy? <laughs> um, how do you sleep at night? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> um, no, no, no other questions for me. <laughs> nice you don't sleep though right that's i don't no i'm not i'm not much of a sleeper i i stay up late you know doing coding patrick doing (laughs) um 3d modeling or just watching uh star wars you know yeah yep star well that'll change when you hit 40 will it change you're gonna yeah you're gonna have to sleep when you hit 40. oh i'll have to sleep i thought you were gonna say i'm not gonna watch star wars after i hit 40 and i don't know if that's true oh no that that'll probably get worse yeah probably, i think so 40. but but you won't need to, you will need to find some time to sleep <laughs> yeah <laughs> you'll wake up on your 40th birthday being like oh why does everything hurt all of a sudden of course yeah i'm looking forward to that it's not too far off for me and then and then bam Midlife crisis. Midlife crisis. <laughs> Everything hurts. I hate my life. <laughs> I've made so many years of mistakes. <laughs> yeah. That's why I asked you the regret thing now. Yeah. Because like, after you turn 40, I'm going to ask you that regret thing again, and then we'll see how different it is. That's true. Yeah. yeah we'll be like, man, I regret every decision I've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I look forward to that. Um, that's going to be awesome. Uh, Patrick... <laughs> I'm sorry to ask you this, but how old are you right now? How old am I? I'm 43, so I know exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm there, man. I'm in it. That's, I'm just warning you. That's right. <laughs> I'm just telling you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, I I have a little bit of time um, to, to relish my, uh, my career so far and my life so far, so I'll take advantage of it while I can. Okay. Yeah, you do it. Relish is a so good I'm thing, right? You. Relish is good. To, when you relish something, uh, am I am I saying yeah, that right? Yeah, relish is good. Okay, relish is good. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. I would use sweet relish too, like on a burger or a dog. That's, yeah, yeah. So I, I assume it's a good thing, but I wanted to make sure I, I didn't use that the opposite way. <laughs> if relish is yeah. like a sour thing, I, I can't remember what that word no, means. No, no. Okay, good to know. I yeah. will relish yeah, my relish is good. Okay, you, you're relishing your career. I'm gonna That's relish good. my career. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, man. Talk to you later. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the pod. Real quick before you take off, we need your topics. Shoot an email to topics at designmuch.org or go to designmuch.org slash contact 
and fill out the form. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, go ahead and share the pod with some friends, coworkers, your weird aunt, that guy who takes your money every morning at the McDonald's, your hamster, really just whoever you want to. Lastly, go grab a Design Much t-shirt at designmuch.threadless.com and wear it freaking proudly. That's it, guys. Now have a good week, design nerds.